All right, welcome everyone. This is Beyond Sunday, episode 27. And once again, I'm joined by Josh Sweetman, our Youth Director Extraordinaire here at Maranatha Christian Reformed Church. How are you doing, Josh? Doing well, thank you. It's great to be along again. And as we dive in once again to this final week of Jesus' ministry on earth. Yes, yes. and uh, I'm Pastor Paul, lead pastor here at Maranatha. And yeah, we've been uh, looking at Jesus' final week of ministry in our sermon series called The Passion of Christ and His interaction in particular with the Pharisees uh, during this week. And he had kind of a two-part focus, I think, in dealing with them. Uh, One was certainly to advance them in their plans to uh, bring him to trial and crucifixion because uh, that was their goal. Their goal was to get rid of him. But I think a really important part of that, too, was for them to repent and come to faith in him. And uh, that's a little bit of what we looked at on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I, it's, it's uh, interesting as we've looked uh, at these past two now, we've talked a lot about Pharisees and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and sometimes like, uh, you know, probably in, in my modern mind, you know, as I think about Pharisees, you know, I probably have a better picture of, you know, like kids dressing up in bathrobes uh, to think about Pharisees than what maybe they actually, you know, what, who they actually were, uh, just because, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, sometimes that can be kind of that, uh, the Bible language of like, oh, a Pharisee, sure, but, but like, who is a Pharisee, where, who were these, who were these people, and, you know, and so that, those are, that was a question that was kind of running through my mind of like, okay, in, in our modern context, what, what are examples of Pharisees or like Ferris, uh, you know, like the same that would have similar teachings or something to uh, the Pharisees back in Jesus day? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. And I think um, we all come kind of with our own preconceived notions, right? We, mm-hmm. uh, we think of the Pharisees, and and for much of us, I think it's been kind of a derogatory term, right? Right, and um, certainly there were things that they were not doing right, and Jesus rightly calls them out on that. Uh, but there were things that they were doing right, and a little bit later, and I think we're going to look at this um, in in um, it's either this Sunday or. I think it's this sun, coming Sunday um, when we look at Jesus' seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees, he does commend them uh, for their zealousness and he commends them for their faithfulness. And when they were preaching the word of God, you know, sitting in, in Moses' seat and properly exegeting the scriptures, he says, yeah, obey them. But the way they were living, the the way that they were uh, expressing their faith or the way that they were really burdening the, the members of the, their synagogues and, and so on. Um, you know, they, they were not releasing people into the freedom in Christ that we talked about last week. Um, but, you know, we're, we're just placing a, a, another burden. And when we looked at that passage, right, 
the you know it says that that they go across to the ends of the earth basically to make a proselyte and then makes that person twice the child of hell that they themselves are so like there's this disconnect between what they're reading and studying in the word of god and how they're living and how they're they've created the whole uh temple system uh to work in their favor and so um on the one hand though you have you know these very clear not so great guys but you also have uh guys like nicodemus and, and others um who were much more modern much more um open to the idea of that maybe jesus is in fact who he says he is that he is the son of god uh, right and and so you can see kind of the tension right i mean if somebody were to show up in our church today or any of our churches and and all of a sudden you know started preaching in such a way that it made him sound like the christ we would be very very skeptical um of course we know that christ has already come and that he's going to come again and when he comes again no one's going to miss it uh, like it's going to be very very obvious but in those days we can understand a certain amount of skepticism and you know that question that um comes just before the passage that we looked at on this Sunday, uh, Matthew 21, verses 23 through 27, they Pharisees come to him and they challenge his authority. By what authority is he coming? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's a good question. It's not a wrong question. I don't think they appreciated his answer. Uh, certainly mm -hmm. they didn't, you know, they didn't want to admit John's authority came from heaven. And yeah. so then therefore they were not inclined to acknowledge that Jesus authority comes from heaven. Right. Well, and, and you got to think like with these Pharisees, you know, like, like we said, sometimes it's, you know, we, we misunderstand where they were coming from a little bit, but I mean, you know, all of these rules that they came up with, we may say, oh man, like why all these rules and all of this, but I mean, this is a, this is a clear result of the exile that happened. And so they want to be sure to obey God so that they're not returned to exile. So all of these rules that they're coming up with, are, you know, hey, we've got to be sure that we're obeying God. So when someone comes in and starts saying, so they're like, whoa, like we want to, you know, like they're, they're wanting to be careful because they're like, well, if we don't want to disobey accidentally and get sent into exile again. But that's where I think they get carried away a little bit and think, you know, and go way and go a little bit off the rails opposed to, yeah, taking that time and, and thinking, well, you know. Yeah, and, and the danger, um, so this kind of came up in our discussion uh, on Sunday night at the Digging Deeper Bible Study, where we're working our way through Genesis, and we're looking at Abraham and how it says that, you know, the Lord appeared to Abraham, or Abram at this point, and promised him that he would his offspring would be more numerous than the stars in the sky. Mm. He says it to him while he has yet no children. Yeah. And uh, so Abram is, is like, okay, well, I believe you. Mm -hmm. And it states there, right in that text, and then it's repeated in the book of Hebrews, that Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And that's key. And uh, part of a key understanding of how the Pharisees misunderstood the scripture is that they look at Abraham and his righteousness as a result of him proving his faith and trust by being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. So they, they missed this earlier one where Abraham just believed God and didn't really act on that faith. In fact, the next chapter we find he, he acts unfaithfully 
and mm-hmm. um, by you know having a, a child with Hagar, Sarai's slave uh, or servant, um, and so we 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 find that uh, you know Abram wasn't a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination, but um, he did believe, and um, so the the important part here is that proper faith, proper living, uh, proper behavior comes out of proper belief. So when we have our belief centered on the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as revealed in the scriptures, and not in ourselves or, or, or proving our, our faithfulness, um, then it comes out of that. And I was even just listening to a, to a book that talked about how uh, proper behavior proper morals comes out of a, a proper um, uh, belief in, in God. And so when we, um, when we think of, of the Israelites and uh, the Pharisees, they were trying to um, get to proper heart condition through proper obedience. And um, that never works because the, the effort on obeying on being faithful from your own power and strength ends up leading you toward an idolatry, uh, whether it's in the law itself or in your own good works or something like that, right? It's in, we call that works righteousness. Mm-hmm. And, and what Jesus has been teaching throughout is, no, you have to know me. You have to know the father who sent me. And once you know me and love me, then my love that I place upon you will uh, manifest itself out in you in good deeds and good works. And so the deeds come after faith. So even uh, Abraham having um, a child with Sarai, his wife does come out in faith, um, you know, uh, it, you know, a, a few years later, but right. uh, it does happen. Right. So, yeah. 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 I mean, and I, and I guess like thinking if the, if kind of our, our through line, so to speak, throughout this is, you know, that, that we too find ourselves having these tendencies to lean towards that. I mean, what, what, what are things that can get us in trouble going down that same kind of line of thinking that the, that the Pharisees had, you know, what are those things now, um, you know, for the Pharisees, it was, it was the law. And, uh, you know, what is it, what is it for us? And what is it for us specifically as Christians? I, I, I wonder that, like, what is, what is it specifically for Christians that can, that can get us into trouble sometimes? I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, um, basically, uh, two, two basic things come, come out. Uh, the yeah. first one, like the Pharisees is an overemphasis on, law so legalism right Mm. um where you're left with the impression that you know you can't do this or that and um if you follow these rules like for example when i was growing up there were some things we could do on sundays and there were other things we couldn't do on sundays like we wouldn't ever go shopping or get gas on sundays unless there was an emergency or or something like that Mm-hmm. Um, we could ride our bikes, but for some people growing up, they, they couldn't ride their bikes or even go swimming. And yep. if you ever lived in a very hot, hot climate, not being able to swim on a Sunday or it's like, you know, 
100 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit or 36 degrees centigrade, yeah. right? You know, that's just like terrible. Like, yeah. yeah. So there were some weird rules and restrictions that really had nothing, uh, no real connection to a heart connection to, to Jesus. Uh, but they were kind of passed on and, and carried over. And then the opposite is, is total, you know, disregard for any kind of law. Um, so where you even get into uh, what they call antinomianism um, or, or licentiousness or, or something where you, you take your freedom in Christ to the other extreme. So one wants to, to have more laws and more rules and try to manage everyone and micromanage everyone's personal behavior. And the other one says, well, no, no, we can just uh, be free and, and do whatever. And, and there's no standard by which to hold one another to. And yeah. what we find in Jesus is when we love him and we focus our hearts and our minds and our souls on him, that is our will, um, then out of our loving concern for Jesus, we will find that we are keeping the law, right? Which summarized is loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So it is an outwardly focused instead of inwardly focused. So one of the things that I think that... Um, the both extremes you find is with Phariseeism, like legalism, it's still an inward focus. I'm proving myself. And mm -hmm. on the other end, liberalism, it's I'm delighting myself or I'm finding um, and exercising all my freedoms. And, and Jesus brings us into that middle way, which is where we're focused on God and we want to honor him and serve him as much as we can in every way we can with the same love that he has given to us. Um, yeah. And it's in the laws really that we find the heart of God, his concern for us and, and how then we are to be concerned for him and for our neighbor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, and, and that's yeah, ways in which, yeah, we can see that today play out you know on you know for for me growing up you know it wasn't quite it wasn't that way much anymore of you know that you can't do some of these things in fact you know it probably you know uh lean towards you know i i'd way more friends who did whatever they wanted and so you see you know i mean even throughout the years how that's how that shifted over and uh that's yeah really really an interesting interesting thought as to that like do you think it's possible to like i was thinking about this as i thought about the pharisees and all of that and and wanting to you know wanting to keep the law but just focusing too much on it and i wonder like in a more modern example you know i see so many i see a lot of christian friends on social media and stuff that focus a ton of their attention on something wrong that another church is doing, <laughs> you know, whether it's like, you know, like a, a Stephen Furtick or, you know, a Hillsong church, and they focus all their energy on why that is, is so, is so not what they're, they're about. And, and they, they focus a lot of their energy and, and will, you know, post daily about, you know, how this is so bad. Um, yet, does it, does that kind of fall into that trap of saying like just being so focused on that and not focused again on what God has done and what he is doing? I, I don't know. I, I wonder, I wonder that with some of, some of what I see in more of today's culture. 
Yeah, I think what we're finding um, is is there's uh, certainly an element of the need for the prophetic voice, right? For for as um, you know, we learn you know all scriptures God breathes and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, right? And so there's this always this element where, as Christians, we do need to be aware of mm-hmm. false teaching and calling it out when we see it and mm-hmm. um, um and so when when we do see uh, examples of leaders especially prominent leaders which you know again um with with the example of rabbi zacharias if you place people in such a high position where there's not proper accountability and oversight it, it does lead into to some uh some dangerous territory and i know like uh stephen furtick for example has has made some comments and and um posts on on twitter and stuff where there's quotes from what he said that have appeared in in um social media that are a departure from historic christianity Mm -hmm. uh the same could be said for bill johnson at bethel and and um some of the activities and actions of, of some of the leaders at Hillsong. Um, so I, I think we need to be aware and we need to call people to repent uh, when, when we're going, when we see them going in a wrong way. But if all we're doing is just, you know, sitting back and from our armchairs, um, yeah. you know, casting aspersions on, on others without yeah. proper proof or documentation or anything like that, well, I don't know if that's as, as beneficial as as it could be. It's almost like an armchair coach, you know, yeah. who's watching the game via television and is calling out all the plays. And if they had been able to call the plays, they would have won the game, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But we do have to be honest. We have to reflect on what the teachings is. You know, like um, when I get into the, the pulpit, like there's a huge weight there. Like, Absolutely. Uh, huge responsibility that if I, if I'm not exegeting the word of God correctly, like I'm going to have to account for that at the end of days. Um, there is so much potential for, for leading people astray that it's, it's not to be entered lightly. And um, it's, it's not surprising that people are, are carried away um, in, in some of these things. And there's so many pressures, so many, things uh, leading in various directions that, you know, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in the pulpit and, and who are, you know, um, it, from the outside, it appears that they're uh, moving away from Orthodox Christianity. And, and that's concerning. Um, and we're not necessarily as a society or as even a Christian culture anymore, as gifted in understanding uh, the word of God and being able to see what is, true versus what is almost true, right? Um, just even Jesus' interactions with Satan in the wilderness, right? He used scripture and he, he twisted it uh, and tried to apply it in a way it was never meant to be taken. And it's, it's you know, so it's not so much that we, we need to have the wisdom to see the obvious false teachings. It's being able to discern the almost true teachings that that are out there so um if you find yourself in a church that isn't uh preaching the word of god correctly um use whatever means you can within your local congregation 
uh, to bring the changes that are, are necessary. Um, and uh, if, if change doesn't happen, then it's time to move on. Um, I've heard that from a number of people. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's such a, a slippery thing, right? False teaching, it comes in and, and um, there's reasons why it's described as, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing. They look right, they sound right, they uh, teach, it seems so right, but it's a departure from the word of God. And so we do have to be careful about that. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No. And like another thought that I guess came to mind was thinking about this, it kind of, kind of moving forward from where we were with the Pharisee teaching and Jesus calling them out to, you know, Jesus still being like very, you know, I mean, I think you mentioned the line on Sunday of like, you know, I mean, it breaks his heart to see these people, you know, going in that direction. So we, we kind of, uh, you know, summarize that with, you know, Jesus mission is to seek and to save the lost. And so the Pharisees in this case were lost and he wanted to, and he wanted them to be found, to be found in him. And so, uh, I guess, again, kind of bringing it forward to today and saying, you know, what does that act of seeking the lost look like in today's context? You know, so many times I think when we look at seeking the lost, we immediately, like at least my mind would go to possibly a stereotype of, you know, the panhandler on the street, which it totally totally can be that. But what what are the ways in which we can, think about seeking the lost in a context of the of the world we live in right now and the the culture that we're living in right now and even within this city itself yeah well i mean uh, i think potentially anybody that we meet is is potentially a lost person and uh it's interesting you mentioned this because um i was in a conversation with a, a colleague a, a little while ago a couple months ago sure and he said I think you, you quoted from John Calvin, who estimated that up to 50% of members or, or people attending church are unsaved. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, that was just 1,500 years ago. Um, yeah. People here today uh, say, you know, other pastors say uh, 30%, maybe as much as 50%. And I think that's where, like with, I mentioned um, Tim Keller's book, Prodigal yeah. God and um, the older brother, right? The, the younger brother comes to faith. He comes to the father in, in total humility and repentance. But the uh, older brother who is just as lost as the younger brother, when the father comes to him, again, that was a very gracious um, and, and out of character kind of approach that the, the father, because the father could have um, just sent a servant and said, Get that older brother of mine in this banquet right now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, right? He says he comes to him and he invites him in. And the older brother says, well, no, I'm not coming in because you never gave me what I wanted, right? And um, the older brother thought he already had everything. He already thought he, he had inherited whatever. Um, but he realized he never had the father's love and he had no idea how to get it. And I think that's what's breaking Jesus' heart. He sees the Pharisees, they don't have the Father's love. They think they do, mm-hmm. but they don't. It's like the Apostle Paul. He thought he was serving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength when he was persecuting the church. 
And then when he finally encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he saw what was really happening, forever after that, he grieved all the time that he had spent as a Pharisee, um, holding on to those things that societally made him important, being a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin, and zealous unto the law as to a Pharisee, right? All of these things were external trappings that got his attention. And yet it was coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And he, he threw all of that away. And for him to live was Christ and to die. Well, that would be total gain. And so as we look and interact with members in our congregation, members in our communities, we need to be aware of those obvious sinners. And yeah. they're going to be quite ripe and receptive to the gospel and being told, hey, in Jesus, you're forgiven of your sins. And they'll be like, get out of town. I can just be forgiven all the, the sins I've committed, you know, uh, the stealing, the murder, the whatever, you know, the, the sleeping around. Yeah, Jesus can do that for you because he has the power to forgive. And they're like, that's amazing. That's good news. But those who think they've kept the law perfectly, but they've broken it time and time again in their hearts, they're going to have a harder time. And we got to pray harder for them, I think. So uh, the first thing that we got to do in the morning is, is pray and ask God to give us opportunities to um, connect with people and to be sensitive and, and to sense when, uh, when they're, they're having tough times. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it probably transitioned a little bit too, to like looking. And again, this was, this was brought up and said, but looking, looking at your, your own heart and saying, okay, you know, which, yeah. who, who, who am I? Am I, you know, this first son in this parable? Am I the second son? And I think, I think the line uh, that you used was like, you know, hey, if you find that you're the first son, you know, rejoice. You know, that is, that's good news. Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't mean to, uh, you know, let your guard down. Now you're all good because that's exactly what leads to the second sonness, yes. right? Like of, of now, like all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm good. Like, uh, you know, I don't, you know, yeah, sure. Like I, I've done the, done the church thing. This is great. And not taking that and keep on coming back, you know, that, that constant process of confessing, forgiving, you know, that's, that's what I love about, um, you know, I think in our, our liturgy as part of the Christian reformed church of having that time of confession and assurance. And, you know, you, uh, as a, as a younger person, when I would hear that, you know, it's just always the part where, oh, okay, they're, they're saying a few words and they read out scripture and in this great and all this. But when you like really, then when I started planning some worship and really actually thinking about it. And so, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, I was my early twenties at that point and seeing like, whoa, Hey, like there's something here to constantly bringing that before God to hearing his forgiveness every single time of hearing that forgiveness and knowing that we are forgiven by him and constantly coming back and doing that every week. It's not like we do it, you know, once a quarter yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or once, uh, once, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's once a week in the church setting, but you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that's always part of that liturgy. Well, and, why? Well, I mean, now it, yeah, it gives us that chance to look at our own hearts, examine ourselves and say, whoa, okay, where, where am I? And that's, and that's a, that's a really, really great thing. 
Yeah, and, and maybe to kind of wrap it all up, uh, yeah, to just build on on what you said. I love that you brought that in. Yeah, um, it just made me right away think of the Lord's Prayer. You know, mm. uh, we're coming to the Father, whether we're the older brother uh, or the younger brother, right? We're we're sons, um, yeah. and sons. You know, that's not a, um, a misogynistic phrase or anything by any means. Said it just brings with it the whole weight of all the in- inheritance and everything, right? Uh, so we come to God as as His children. Um, yeah. we come to the Father and we confess, right? So that it's right there, and we trust in Him. We, you know, it's just a perfect prayer for for a way. And so, you know, if we're maybe we've gotten into a rut or we've drifted away or whatever, um, starting there, just praying that prayer every, each and every morning, and um, and then trusting the Lord to lead and guide through that, and then He'll develop your prayer life out of that. So uh, maybe that's just an encouragement for anyone who's listening today, um, just to pick that up and. And go with it and run with it for a little while. So, in Absolutely. fact, I think I'm gonna gonna make that more my part of my uh, morning morning devotions as well. So, great, yeah. yeah. And then one last thing: um, no one can see you, but uh, I can see you've got this you know amazing beard going. And, <laughs> uh, just wondering what your your uh, plan is for that. Are you is it like a playoff beard or a, uh, holdover from November or something like that. <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, no, yeah, I, uh, yeah. So I mean, you're, you know, people are listening to this, so yeah, they can't see me, but you can, and yeah, indeed, I do have quite a large beard at the moment. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it was uh, just one of those things. I just uh, wanted to grow it out for the time being. You know, it's kind of like. Uh, uh, locked, you know, the whole, you know, quarantine, uh, you know, staying at home kind of thing. It's kind of become like, I guess, I guess it's kind of the, the COVID beard. Maybe I'm also, I, I'm, I'm also along with my son, uh, growing my hair out. His big goal was to grow his hair out. So now I'm just kind of, you know, taking on a little bit of this, uh, mountain man, uh, kind of look, and I guess it, guess it fits for where we are geographically, but yeah, so there's no real story behind the beard. Uh, you know, but I, I mean, I will say, you know, I do find things in it occasionally, you know, so if I, if I lose something, that's the first place I got to go is look at, look in the beard, you know, here. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, it's been awesome doing this with you and uh, pray God's blessings upon you this week. And Indeed. for all of our listeners, may God bless you and keep you. Yeah.